Guys, I hope you're hungry because if you've come to get some financial knowledge, we've got a hearty meal for you today here on The Money Guy Show because we're going to be talking about what do you do when you hit retirement or if you change jobs with those retirement assets that were at your former employer. So tune in today and we're going to load you up. It's Brian Preston, The Money Guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, The Money Guy. Bo, this is going to be a good one because this comes from The Money Guy family. But here's what I like about it also is that it allows us, because we got quite a few emails from you guys out there in the Money Guy family and the listening audience who had, you know, thoughts and other things, clarifications that you wanted to make on our big retirement episode we did. I don't, I don't know. It was probably two or three episodes back on all the different ways you can, you know, conquer your retirement by saving, whether it's 401ks, SEP IRAs. And um, a few of you said, wait a minute. Because you want to flex on me a little bit, show me how the Money Guy family is just so knowledgeable. We're going we're going to integrate some of those things because you're right. Some of those points of clarification are perfect for sharing in today's episode. And this is one of those things. Let me go ahead and give you the, the intro before I get so just energized and jump into this thing. This is the Money Guy Show. Welcome. We're so glad you joined us. You can go check out the the website. It's MoneyGuy.com. And here's the cool thing, guys. If you sign up, just sign up. I call it like the the premium or the the get smart club, but the truth is this is your access point to get all of our archives. We don't need anything but your email address, and then we're gonna load you up. We've been doing this going on eleven years now, and you get access to every bit of that. If you want to go hear how goofy I sounded in two thousand six, because this is now eleven years and it of was broadcasting, really, really goofy. It's a lot different. It's it's somewhat entertaining. So you can go check that out. All you have to do is go to moneyguy.com, sign up, give us your email address. We'll keep you updated. We even just, a lot of you have already sent me some emails because we blasted out our commentary. You know, Abound Wealth is what we do by day. If you want to go check out our new website for that, it's aboundwealth.com. Fortunately, we've had so many of you guys become clients. You've taken your relationship to the next level, and that means the world to us. I just want to sign up as many of you as possible, because it excites me when I hear your story, when I find out, hey, you started listening to us in college. This is how long we've been doing this. Now, we now have people who are listening to us in college, we're energized, they're saving, and now they've graduated to the next level where they've built up enough assets and been successful enough in their careers that they are becoming clients. That is fulfilling. We also have a whole group of people you're bringing your parents in. Maybe they're not as tech savvy as you are, but you, you know, you're concerned they're getting a little bit older. You brought them on as part of the Money Guy family too and, and transition them into abound wealth clients means the world to us. I'm so humbled every time I talk to you guys. So thank you for that. So go to moneyguy.com, sign up so you can get that dialed in. You can get that commentary. As soon as you sign up, you also get that commentary. And we just appreciate you tuning in. Um, also, you can get connected on all of our other social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook. Really would love to have you at Twitter. Here's a here's a goal, just so you all know, kind of I have goals that I set up. I really want to get our Twitter handle to 5,000. Because, you know, one of the things that I think would be really helpful is just like we got approached um, by a big insurance company about doing some some educational things. It's not going to be something we brand on this side. It's not going to take away from what we do in our day job, but they want us to do some educational stuff. I would love, because I think it gives us more weight, 
if we could get some more Twitter Twitter followers. So if you if you go on moneyguy.com, you can see our, our Twitter handle and everything else. Go check that out and just know I appreciate you guys. Okay, I did enough of that. Let's get into the good stuff. Here's where I feel like this ought to be a public service announcement, Bo, and this is, this is what I mean by this, is that you spend so many years, you get excited about your, your employer offers you a retirement plan. And I'm not talking about probably just one retirement plan. Unfortunately, most of us work multiple jobs. Right. So it's potential, there is potential that this is, we're talking about three or four abandoned retirement plans. Right. So this PSA is, how do we stop the neglect of those poor retirement plans that are left. Behind. I feel like right now we should have like the Sarah McLaughlin music queued up. It definitely, and it definitely in the should be. And we all know I love some Sarah McLaughlin. So, but it's true. I mean, because we spend so much time, because we've gotten you energized where we love retirement plans because here's why we love retirement plans. And you've heard the analogy a gazillion times, but I'm going to push it home just in case we have a few more new listeners. If I set up a table full of money, outside of your office, and I had it in nice little stacks of money with names on top. Maybe it was a yellow sticky note with everybody who's in the building's names on top. I can promise you when we closed out the office that day, there would not be a stack of money left because everybody would walk out, gladly pick up that free bag of money. But the thing is, in reality, that's just not the case because a lot of you guys are in 401ks or have access to 401ks, 403bs, 457s, and you're not taking advantage of the employer match. Now, I, I say you guys because that's, that's not true. You're a freaking money guy listener. I know you guys are taking advantage of the free money, but there's people out there that are not taking advantage of it. So retirement plans are great because you got the match. you got the profit sharing by your employer. You also have the tax-free growth if your employer offers a Roth account. You have the tax-deferred growth if you're trying to minimize your current income and take that tax deduction now and let it grow until you actually want to pull it out at a much lower tax rate in retirement. And of course, you've also got some creditor protection because a lot of these plans are ERISA eligible, meaning that these 401ks, some 403bs, majority of 403bs, right. these are all under the ERISA protection that the government provides, which then makes them protected by creditors. So these things are awesome, but it is true. And this is where we could cue up the Sarah McLaughlin music again, is that a lot of us neglect them after we leave. We get so excited about either retirement or moving on to a new job that these poor, helpless retirement plans just sit there and they, they just kind of look like they're in a time capsule. I mean, we how many people have we seen, we go and we start consolidating and making people's life easier by by either rolling them over to another plan bringing them into an IRA, and you find out that they're buying the who's who funds of 1987. That's right, yeah. And the problem is, when you're an investor, guys, what's hot and what's really appropriate in 1987 might not be as good in 2017. I mean, it just isn't. A lot of those funds, we've seen them one and two star, yep. lots of internal expenses, because the technology and just the modernization of the investment marketplace, things have gotten cheaper. I mean, if you haven't discovered index funds and other ETFs and other things like that that have pushed out, driven down costs, and you're still trapped in your 1996, you know, 401k and, you know, mutual funds, you're probably overpaying. So we want to stop the neglect. And I'll move on past the PSA now, but it is one of those things we're serious about making sure that you're, you're not leaving these, these 
assets behind. So here's where we go. We broke this into three categories. When you go into retirement or when you leave an employer, you have really three options. Leave it behind, meaning okay. that, hey, we're just going to love the one we're with. We're going to keep it there. We're going to tell you when that makes sense. A lot of you guys are probably going, what? You're going to leave your money behind in your old employer? It might make sense. So we're going to go through why that might be a good choice for you. Then after you go through that checklist, we're going to progress to should you roll it over? Should you roll it over either to your new employer plan or should you roll it over to a, a, an IRA rollover account that you've set up? And then option three, let's take the money and run. <laughs> Again, cue the, cue the music, right? <laughs> Man, we should have had music for this show. We, uh, what am I doing? I'm, I'm a music guy. Why? Am, and we live in the music city now. Why are we not queuing up music? But nonetheless, I think you see the excitement and you can see we have a lot to cover. That's why I say this is going to be a hearty meal and it's going to go beyond common sense because there really is a lot to talk about here. So let's first... Let's talk about option one, Bo. Okay. That was uh, leave the money behind, right? Leave, leave it at the old employer. Leave the money behind. Yep. So I know this is contrary to what you see. You watch the – you can't help but watch any – especially sporting events. I'm trying to think of where else I see all the financial commercials, you know, where you're watching a show. Maybe it's Shark Tank or something like that. And, they, and you see all these ads for you just should roll it over. It's one of those – it's those same ads where the financial advisor is invited to the wedding, your child's, you know – christening or, or whatever else, you know, it's all those things that pulling your heartstrings and say, hey, do a rollover IRA, you know, and, and to contact our custodian or our mutual fund company, whatever it is. But here's, here's the truth of the matter. I think you should have an internal checklist on figuring out your options. And that's why we have, when we say we're either going to look at leaving the money behind, rolling the money over, or just taking the cash, we did that order specifically on purpose because this is the order of operation that you should think about this when you're entering or, I mean, I should say leaving your current employer. So the first thing you need to think about is, do I just need to leave the money behind? Right. That's the first stop on your checklist. And this may surprise many, but it's truly a viable option. So this is the homework you need to ask yourself. First question. When am I going to retire? Yeah. Are you going to retire before 59 and a half? If you're one of those people, I mean, we've had you right, and I'm glad you're out there listening, you know, where you're thinking about you're leaving the workforce in your mid-40s, you know, and God bless you. That's awesome. Um, you know, that, that's one of those things where if you're leaving your workplace and you're leaving the workforce before you're 59 and a half, you might need to leave it where it's at. And why do I say that? But why, why would I say that? Yeah, the reason is pretty simple is generally when you roll assets into like an IRA or something like that, there's this magical date that happens at 59 and a half. However, with some retirement plans like 401ks, 403bs, when you leave working, you can actually access those funds a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe it's age 55 or even with like a 457 plan, even earlier than age 55. So if you're someone who's thinking about early retirement, leaving it at the, in that, uh, in that qualified retirement plan, might not be a bad option so you can get access to those funds earlier without getting hit with a 10% early withdrawal penalty. And, and the big thing, why is, why is 59 and a half such a big deal? What, what, is, what happens, I mean, does the government just say, ugh, hey man, we want you to keep that money until 59 and a half. No, they, what do they do? No, they say if you try to take it, we're going to get a little bit of blood money from you for yeah. it. Not only are we going to charge you uh, taxes on it, ordinary income taxes on it when you pull it out, we're also going to hit you with a 10% penalty for pulling it out before Boom. we said you could. 10%. I mean, and you're like, what have you done to earn that money? Nothing. <laughs> so just, it's kind of a tax, you know, that's what I hate about it. it it's one of the, I, I guess, I, I, 
I understand why we have the 10% penalty, but man, oh man, does that hurt people when they're really down? Because these are the assets. We all know most people are not saving what they need to for retirement. And now the government's going to take an additional 10%. I know why they're doing that. And that's why they tried to be somewhat reasonable by they put some exceptions in there for medical expenses, right. first-time home purchases, things like that. But still, when you get in a hardship situation, it's not ideal when you know you have to go pull that money out of these retirement accounts. Yep. So, Bo, the next thing, here's the next question on your checklist. So the first one was, are you retiring before 59 and a half? Traditional, you know, age that you can avoid that, that early withdrawal penalty. But the next, next thing, number two is, do you have some credit issues? Or do you need the ERISA creditor protection? Is that important to you? And if y'all want to know, cause I hate it when people use acronym, I mean, acronyms and don't tell you what they mean. ERISA means Employee Retirement Income Security Act. This is a government action that was created so that these specific plans, primarily 401ks and 403bs, where they actually are protected assets to the government. And what? so if you're struggling with your credit or you're in danger of having some type of creditor and judgment against you, you should make sure you definitely understand that additional protection that's offered to you by these qualified assets because it doesn't make sense to roll this into an IRA because IRAs, unfortunately, don't get this same protection. So if you're one of those people that is concerned, um, maybe you have some, some risk management, you're worried about getting sued or creditor problems, you need to be very aware of what ERISA protection means to you. So that's on the checklist right after you retiring before 59 and a half. But here's a big one. This one actually probably hits more people than anything else is take a, a true step back and look at your current plan and ask yourself, is this a good 401k plan? I mean, a lot of you guys, especially if you work for a Fortune 500 company, you might already have access to a really low-cost custodian. I'm talking about the Fidelities of the world, the Vanguards, the Charles Schwab. These plans are cheap already. They have low you know, custodial fees, or practically none, if, if you're working for a Fortune 500 company. The internal expenses of the investment options, whether they're ETFs, index funds, or just traditional mutual funds, are, are industry-leading low-cost funds, you know, and these are the things you need to understand. Take an, a, a, a clear look at your current fee structure of your of your plan that you're with, and I say, is this a good plan? Yeah. I mean, or are there better options? I mean, you'll see that we're going to get to in a minute when we talk about rollovers. You'll need to do this same health check on the fee structure with your new plan because you're hopefully you're you're going to get into a better plan in the future but it makes sense before you walk away and leave something or try to roll assets over that you're not walking away something that from something that's really good. Now your decisions much easier if you're in a plan if you're with a small business and unfortunately a lot of small businesses are in insurance based 401k type yeah. structures where they will have um you know, sub accounts right. fees where you think you're buying Vanguard, but when you actually go look at the internal expense ratio, you'll notice, wait a minute, why is my internal expense ratio on my fund assets always 75 basis points bigger or 50 basis points bigger? Mm-hmm. You know, even we've seen them as high as a, a you know, a full a 1% surcharge, yeah. surcharge on what you think you're buying Vanguard. And you find out it's Vanguard-esque because it is buying Vanguard, but then somebody is slap some additional fees on top of it. Those are sub-account fees. Mortality expenses, because it's an insurance product, a lot of times you see you know, these things have mortality expenses, administrative fees. It makes your decision a lot easier if your current plan is not on the low side of the fee structure. 
you might need to see if there's some greener pastures somewhere else. So I'm going to pause for a second. Say you're listening to this show right now and you're kind of zoned out because you're not planning on retiring right now and you're not planning on uh, on leaving your current job, but you just heard that and you thought, whoa, 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 I have one of those plans. I think that right now my current 401k at my job that I'm not leaving is managed by an insurance company. And when I look at the internal expenses, it is kind of expensive. You'd be amazed what a quick email to HR could do for you. We've actually had a few a few different companies over the past year contact us saying, hey, you know, I've had my employees reach out saying that uh, they want different investment options, lower cost options. Is that something you can kind of help with? So you would be amazed at how powerful just an email to HR saying, hey, is it possible to think about looking at the investment options? Uh, you have some power there to influence the decision making. So just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, and it's also there's and there's things you might be able to help your current retirement plan, like the Roth option. Yep. I'm always surprised at how many plans have not adopted just offering the Roth, the tax-free savings opportunity to their employees, meaning that it doesn't matter what you make, guys. Remember, Roth IRAs phase out based upon income at mm-hmm. some point, not Roth 401ks, not Roth 403bs. You can make a million dollars a year and still contribute to a Roth. Now, it doesn't mean that you necessarily should. Some of you guys in the higher income situation still are going to probably benefit from having that pre-tax, meaning that current tax deduction. But those of you who are younger and you're you're building your 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 Baseline assets. You know what your most powerful assets when you're in that below 25% tax bracket area is having tax-free growth. Remember, you don't get a current tax deduction, but you put in $2,000 into this this 401k, it grows to be $10,000. You pull that $8,000 out tax-free. That's why we love Roth accounts. And it's just a, a matter of your employer essentially making the election. Maybe they have to pay a, a, a you know, an, a, an update fee or an edit fee on their plan document, but it's 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 definitely worth it. So yep. you just uh, exactly right, Bo. If people just will reach out, um, if you're in a high cost plan, reach out to your plan administrator. You know your HR, your your owner of your company. Uh, if you need Roth, see if there's things you can do to modernize your retirement savings options. Moving on to the next thing on your checklist: investment choices of your current plan. I mean, this is a big deal, guys. Diversification means a lot. Mm -hmm. I know that we've been in a period now where the S&P 500 seems like the perfect asset for all types. Whether you're down in 2015, S&P is perfect. Whether you're up in 2013, S&P is perfect. But we all know that that does not go on forever, that you need to have diversification in your your portfolio. You need something just beyond stocks, bonds, and cash. It's nice if you can add real estate, if you can add international. There's things that that, that there are some benefits from diversification. So you need to see, do you have choices? I still, and and thank goodness she doesn't listen to the podcast, even though she loves taking advantage of whenever I see her. My great sister-in-law... Um, it's so funny. The first time I ever reviewed her 401k <laughs> with her employer, um, I, I said, um, um, "What? How, how did you choose these funds? She goes, I chose everything with the word growth in it. Well, that sounds I good. I wanted my account to grow. <laughs> and I asked her that because she had four funds that were essentially doing the exact same thing. And, I, and she thought she was diversified. But no, she just bought four funds with the word growth in it. And they were essentially all closet S&P 500 mutual funds. So it was just very funny to me. And and truthfully, it served well as long as you're in a period where equity markets are doing good. But we all know trees don't grow to heaven. I mean, we I do think, because what what did we run? There was a thing we ran where in the year 
2090, the, the Dow Jones will be at. Oh, it was, I, I don't even remember. It was an astronomical okay, number. We won't, yeah. get, we won't go in. It was, a, it was a, this is the nerdy stuff we talk about here at the offices. If you just base, I think it was like a six or 7% um, annualized over the long term, which is well below where the equity markets have. It was some astronomical number. So that's why when people say, are you scared it's at 20,000? I'm like, no, if you think it's, it's high now, wait until you see where it's at 10 years from now. It's definitely going to have uh, some, some different impacts. So diversification is a big, big thing you need to make sure when you're analyzing your current retirement plan, is it good and should you leave it behind? Next is access to index funds. You know, we guys, we, we get it. I mean, we do this with our current clients. We do it with our own portfolios. Why try to beat the S&P 500 when it's such an efficient marketplace? Information flows so freely and so easily nowadays that how can, you know, these five, anybody know more about these 500 companies unless they're crooked? You know, obviously crooked comes into play, but not, not on such a grand scheme. I, I just don't think so. It makes much more sense to buy an S&P 500 fund because the internal expenses have gotten down where, I mean, I think they're charging a nickel for, you know, for about every hundred dollars that you're investing right. to, to the internal expenses are practically free. So, it, you know, it makes sense to, to try to lower your expenses as much as possible, especially in efficient marketplaces like large cap, which is in the United States, which is the S&P 500. And the good news is, is, and we don't know at this point which way it's going to go, but if you paid attention to any sort of mainstream news, you've heard about this fiduciary rule and that sort of thing coming out. Well, one of the side effects of whether this thing sticks or doesn't stick is that a lot of retirement plans have kind of had their hands forced now where they have to make access to low-cost index funds available. So, it would not be surprising if over the last 12, 16 months, you've gotten a notice from the 401k provider saying, hey, we're either changing the share class or adding these investment options. That is good news. When you get those notices, kind of smile to yourself knowing that things just got a little bit cheaper. The only thing I would caution, this is because one of my pet peeves when I see people who say, yeah, I got index funds in my plan. It's very similar to the whole thing I was just making fun of with the Vanguard plan within insurance products is that index funds, I, I, I get my... I get upset a little bit when I see an index fund in a 401k plan, but its internal expense ratio is like 0.58% or 58 yeah, basis yeah. points or 0.6 when their peer group, the ones you're really trying to get that are going to drive down costs might be 0.05%. You know, so you still, it, it drives me crazy when I see an index fund, but an index fund with an internal expense ratio that doesn't truly reflect it's low cost structure. So that's something you need to be on. That's why, guys, if you don't, if you're not doing it, make sure you understand what you're paying in internal mm-hmm. expenses. I mean, that is one of the easiest ways to drive down cost. I mean, when I started doing this, well, it's, it's even, cause it's come down from there. 10 years ago, a good internal expense ratio for your portfolio was around, I mean, one and a half percent, yeah. one and a quarter percent. I mean, it was over one percent. But because of ETFs, because of index funds and other things, now we get diversified portfolios where they're down less than a half a percent. I mean, and for conservative portfolios that have a lot of bonds in them, you might see that closer to 0.4 percent for the total portfolio. So fees have been driven down by the marketplace. Making sure, make sure you're paying attention to that. The last thing I, I want to talk about on leaving the money behind is the ratings of your investments. I picked on the fact that we have prospects come in, we review their portfolios, and we find out that it is a time capsule from 1996 and 1997 of what was hot. And then we say, well, you know, 
what happened here? Why did you, why did you leave this poor investment behind? Because this thing could have been modernized and growing. If you go on Morningstar.com, just type in your mutual funds or you know or ETFs and see what they're rated. If you start seeing a bunch of one and two star funds, not that ratings mean everything, because sometimes I will tell you, Morningstar has a propensity to really give a lot of four and five star ratings to the momentum fed whatever asset class did good for the last two or three years. You know, there is some bias towards that. But overall, I think it is a very effective tool. If you start seeing one and two star funds, they don't give those out too easily. Right. If you see a bunch of one and two star funds, that's not a great indicator that you're, you're, you're working with an all star portfolio. So make sure you're paying attention to that. So kind of before we move on to the rollover of your retirement account, let's talk about leave the money behind as a recap. Are you retiring before normal retirement age of 59 and a half or what the government deems as a, as a normal age to consider taking those assets penalty free? Is ERISA creditor protection important to you? Um, what's the fee structure of your current plan before you walk away from it? Because if you got something really good, maybe you don't need to leave it behind. What's the investment choices of your current plan? If you can roll all that in, I think you'll be an equipped and educated consumer to know, hey, does it make sense to keep it here or should I roll it over? So let's kind of transition now to rolling over your retirement account. And you've, once you've gone through that checklist, it's now, because there are some benefits to rolling assets over. And you really uh, have two options, right? You can either roll it into your new retirement plan if you're changing jobs, or you can just open up an IRA and roll it into an IRA at Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, fill in the blank, right? Those are kind of the two options you have. And this is something, the, especially the SEC has started paying attention to, because I think the default for many people in the past has been, let's just roll it into an IRA. Well, the SEC has started saying, well, wait a minute. As an advisor, are you making sure that really is what clients should be doing? So you need to be thinking about these things, too, because sometimes... Uh, and we'll talk about it because I, I do think the rollover IRA is outstanding. And we do that for a lot of clients. But we go through this same checklist to make sure there's not something we're missing. But you might want to look at the new employer plan. Now, first, if you go to the new employer plan and you look at it and you will go through that exact same checklist we did on your existing plan. Or we go, we're going to look at the fund fee structure. We're going to make sure, or, or the operations fee structure, to make sure your 401k is an efficient 401k and it's not some Frankenstein structure that was probably sold to the owner of the company on a golf course <laughs> or it's a brother-in-law or a relative that said, hey, you ought to have a retirement plan. Let me hook you up with something. If you, you know, if your new plan is like that, you don't want to roll those old assets into that. That's going to probably push you more towards the rollover IRA camp. But there's a chance maybe you are working for a bigger company that now has access to one of those low-cost plans like Fidelity or Schwab or Vanguard. You might want, you might be pleasantly surprised that your new plan is good. Don't leave, remember the public service announcement? Don't just neglect those assets that you spent so much time growing. Make sure that you're bringing them over to, to the new plan or considering the new plan. Um, and because here's the cool thing about if you do bring it over to the new plan, if it's a good plan, mm -hmm. you get that ERISA protection, yep. especially if it's a 401k, some 403bs, because it's got to be a qualified 403b. Um, we found out, you know, obviously we've, we've known that some of your charter schools and other things that aren't involved with the government necessarily, they still qualify for 403bs, but they're just not qualified 403bs, right. so they don't have the same ERISA protection. So make sure you understand mm -hmm. that differentiation as well. So... 
Let's um. Anything else I should say on new employer plan before we talk about the? <laughs> yeah, the other thing that you'll want to think about, and and this is something I actually had a, a call with with a just an awesome guy uh, a few days ago, and we kind of talked through this. Uh, if you're someone who maybe falls into a higher income tax bracket, uh, and you've been doing a more advanced tax strategy like a backdoor Roth conversion, right? And yep. so if you're kind of familiar with that, uh, understand that. Uh, whether you roll an old employer plan into an IRA or into the new 401k will affect your ability to continue perpetrating that strategy. So just make sure you understand the full implications from a tax standpoint on how it might affect some of the things that you're currently doing. Yeah, and, and that's a good roll in, Bo, because one of those emails I got cleaning up that retirement account was somebody mentioned to me, he said, Hey, you didn't mention Roth conversions. And I will tell you, there's a big difference before you do the rollover IRA. You have to understand if you're going to do backdoor Roth IRAs, and that's a whole strategy where you get all of your money. You don't want it in any type of SEP IRA, rollover IRA, anything that is pre-tax IRA status because you make too much money to do normal Roth contributions, but you could potentially do backdoor Roth contributions if you have the right type of retirement plan. Now, if you only have access to really high-cost um, 401k options, it doesn't work out necessarily. But that's something, and that's getting into a higher level that I don't feel completely comfortable doing on the podcast because I think that there's a lot of different variables that you, if you're not careful, you can misstep it. And I don't want to mis, you know, mislead you guys into going down a, a, a path that that I could, I want to ensure you're successful. I guess that's probably the easiest way of putting it. And one last thing before I move away from employer plans and we start talking about IRAs. You need to make sure, especially for my younger listeners, you understand the forced actions of retirement plans. If you have assets less than $5,000 in a qualified plan, you don't, you're you're on kind of quicksand with that custodian with the plan administrator and the fact that they if it's less than five thousand dollars they can roll that money into an IRA of their choosing without really getting your permission they can you know they can they can they consider it an abandoned asset they can just push it out to make their administration easier and just put it in an IRA if it's less than a thousand dollars they can take it a step further they can just send you a check hmm. and that is a tax nightmare. If they, if you take money at less than a thousand, cause you realize if they, you thousand dollars, you go pay a hundred dollar tax penalty mm-hmm. on the 10% penalty on that for what? And then you're plus also going to pay, taxes. plus you go pay income taxes. So even if you're in a reasonable tax rate, let's say an ordinary income tax rate of 25%, you live in a state with a five to six percent, you know, state income tax, you could see 40% of your money just evaporate. Just like that. That's a disaster. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. You spend all that time saving that money. Be careful of those forced actions. Understand what's going on before you you, you just leave the assets behind thinking, hey, they'll be okay. They need to be over $5,000 before you're kind of protected from them doing some forced action on you. So let's transition to what a lot of people do with their assets, which is an individual retirement account. You set up an IRA and you do a rollover, and we've already gone through the checklist of making sure that, you know, hey, we don't need to leave it behind because maybe our employer had an expensive plan or they had no diversification that was really, and or because there were some huge benefits to doing a rollover IRA. First, you get to put your employer in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, who wants to call the old HR department or the person who handles your 401k that maybe you didn't get along with you have to call them anytime you want to make a change to your account or if you want to take a distribution from your account. And you don't, you know, a lot of times when you, you want to make a clean break from your previous employer. So it's not uncommon that, you know, an individual retirement account, you might want that 
access, the, the, the account control, the investment choice, and the access that lets you really make the decisions for that portfolio. So it's nice to put that rear, that, that employer in the rear view mirror. You also, here's the other advantage of IRAs. You get to make all the decisions. The entire investment universe, depending upon which custodian or what choice you make of how to, to handle those qualified assets, is available to you. You get to make the decision of what you want to do. You're the master of your own universe with those retirement assets. You determine where the money's held. Who's the custodian? You can choose a low-cost custodian. You get to determine how the money's allocated. And that stuff's important. You can make sure if there's no diversification in your IRA, that's your fault. It doesn't fall <laughs> on the, the whoever designs your 401k on what choices they made. And then here's the big one we see with people. And it's, it's, it keeps you from having that 1987 or 1996 time capsule. When you can roll over, it's nice when you can consolidate your life. Yeah. As a, unfortunately, in this day and time, people will work three and four jobs throughout their career. Do you know how nice it is when everything is consolidated in one account? I mean, we hear that all the time. You get less proxy statements. You get less account statements coming in monthly or emailed into you mm-hmm. monthly. There's just a lot less to keep up with. When you do it, your tax prep, your CPA is probably not going to be able to charge you as much if you have less brokerage statements coming into you um, from all these different... And then when you get to minimum required distribution age of 70 and a half, the last thing you want to do is have a bunch of different custodians. It's nice... If you can get that that minimum required distribution, minimum withdrawal you have to take in the year, if you have one number coming in and you know that's the number you have to get out, if you have three or four different custodians, you now got to consolidate. You got to make sure you're keeping up with, and you got to report all that to the to to your CPA. It just is a lot of moving parts, and that's usually not the goal of people in retirement is to become a CFO of a more complex enterprise. A lot of times, you want to simplify your life. Um, and, and bring everything in to, to one place. It's also great for family members. Yeah. I mean, you guys who are listening to a financial podcast, without a doubt, you are the top tier, cream of the crop, financially. But you probably, realistically, you're doing a lot of things right. But you might have loved ones. They're not as sophisticated and as organized, so you have to set up a great breadcrumb trail for them to follow it's nice if your life is simplified and everything is kind of brought in. It gives you the freedom of flexibility. Bo, anything else you'd add on on, on those type of things? Because here, here's the only thing I'm worried about with this podcast today. Right. We spend a lot of time on people just leaving their money behind. And then we get to the rollover section. And we, you know, we speak because we've already covered the basics on looking at fund expense ratios, diversification. We covered that back on leaving it behind. And here we are getting to rollover IRA. I feel like we minimized the benefits, but we but we did that on purpose. I mean, anything else you would add? Yeah, I would just think uh, I would think about this, right? So uh, a lot of folks they're working with their previous uh, employer. Maybe there's there's a good company or there's a good HR department who's been helping you direct the investments in the four hundred one k and kind of pick how you choose and they have a risk questionnaire where you can do that. Uh, and you make the decision, okay, now that I'm leaving that employer, I do want to sever ties and I want to roll this into an IRA rollover. Uh, but I don't know exactly how to do that. I don't know what to invest. I don't know how to do it. Um, but I- I've heard of like an annuity or something like that, yeah. and it can make make my life really easy. I think it'd be valuable to talk for a second about when and what type of annuity might make sense and when an annuity or something like that might not make sense when it comes to an IRA. Here's what's great about what you just did, because I think this is what I worry about especially when people, when they're leaving the workforce, I think, you know, you are leaving, 
you're used to being a saver. You've had that. You've had your. You, you think about it. You've had the the. You definitely you've had the throttle on saving for decades. I mean, and now you have to tr- pull the throttle back, and you have to transition yourself from a saver to a spender. And you think when you walk through that threshold of becoming going into retirement that hey, I just need to do apple cart turnover of everything because hey, retired people they do things differently. They obviously need to to lock it down. So you're highly susceptible to somebody coming in. And saying, "Hey, just the annuity. We'll put you in an annuity." And um, but here's the problem, and I want to because then I think the other one because it was mentioned in that email mm-hmm. from Shelley, who's part of the Money Guy family, was CDs. Yep. You know, because a lot of people say, "Well, I, I, yeah, I grew these assets. They grew well. I was very happy with it. But now let's lock it down. Let's put it into some CDs." I, I want to spend a little time on those two things. Here's my problem. I like. As interest rates go up, you should know, guys, we're in a historically super low interest rate environment, have been for, for going on uh, over a decade now. Um, that's going to change, I think. We don't know when. I mean, everybody's been talking about interest rates go rock and roll for the last three years. Now, we have seen in the last six months the 10-year has spiked mm-hmm. up, but we're still nowhere near historical norms with interest rates. I like the thought of down the road when interest rates get back to normal, when you can make 4 and 5% on your money market, that probably means interest rates are back to where they're supposed to be from a historical perspective. And at that point, it might make sense to go look at a fixed annuity to essentially turn a portion of your assets into a pension, where they're going to lock it down and just pay you. But here's the thing I don't like to see. What is the great thing, Bo, about retirement accounts? Uh, I would say that they're tax-deferred. You don't pay taxes on it while the yeah, money's invested. They grow, and, and, and that's a special situation that the government set up. It is something the government did that. They smiled upon retirement assets on purpose because they want to encourage you to save money. What's what's a, a thing that annuities are touted for? What what can you do with an annuity? Well, they also are tax-deferred vehicles. So, so you see how they do the same thing. The difference is that one already is just because the government instilled these things for free. It's already built in. It's cooked into the way they're designed. These retirement vehicles, whether your IRAs, your 401ks, your 403bs, annuities, they get it because of their structure through the insurance company, and they, they have mortality expenses. They have other things. It doesn't make sense to put an annuity, typically, from my experience, into an already qualified product that grows tax-deferred. You're paying fees that you were already given by Congress. So since you're already getting those things for free, why double pay for something and drive those expenses up? So I don't, it's kind of a no-no to me when I see annuities in retirement accounts. Um, so, but a lot of times I think these things happen because where are people's biggest assets? They're in, in their retirement, retirement plans because these are forced savings opportunities with that free bags of money. So, you know, if it quacks like a duck, you know, we need money to put in that annuity. That's where your money is. One size fits all. That's not good planning. That's not what you need to do. So be careful if somebody tries to talk you into rolling your tax-deferred assets that already grew naturally tax-deferred into a tax-deferred annuity. It just doesn't make sense from a fee structure, especially with low interest rates. And and then variable annuities are no different than you just doing an IRA Mm -hmm. or doing – because you're going to have the same risk as the marketplace – we could get into index and index and equity annuities and other things, but that's a whole other podcast. They have some caveats as well 
but I don't like annuities for rollover assets. So what about the second thing you said, Brian? Is okay. I've worked. I've worked. I've worked. I've worked. I've reached my number. You know, my magic floating number over my head. I've hit it. I'm ready to get out of the market, sell it, go to cash, buy some CDs, and just live in retirement. Why is that a bad idea? Well, here, here's the thing. And, and I already started the analogy, and this kind of just came to me, so I'm going to go ahead and finish it. I always think about a plane landing or a plane on a journey to ones you, you lift off, you save, you build. That means you're, you're going higher and higher. And, you know, but then you're, you got to bring this thing in for a landing. Well, the thing is, when you retire, if you look at the journey of life, a lot of us guys, we live longer now. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon. A lot of you in the listening audience, especially younger people, you're going to make it to 100. So when you retire at 60, you got a lot of life to live. I mean, you are only halfway to your journey or getting, you know, maybe three, you know, two thirds of your journey to where you want to go. Imagine if you're in that airplane and all of a sudden you say, Oh, hit my number. Let's shut the engines off. <laughs> I mean, that is not that you are not landing the plane. If you just shut off everything, you got to keep this portfolio because you've got 30 years in the future to live off these assets. Yes, you are going to want to start pulling off the throttle of risk. You're going to want to start putting more conservative assets so you could glide this thing down and not have the volatility and keep enough liquidity in the portfolio. So if we do hit some some turbulence, some ups and downs, some volatility, you got assets to get you through that two, three, four-year period where it's scary. But you don't just shut it down and go into CDs because you've got 30 years to live off these assets. You've got to bring this thing down and then land the plane and do a good job with it. And that's why I think you have to be careful just shutting it down because mm-hmm. it is. if you It's catastrophic if you think you're going to live 30, 40 years in retirement. This is just the next stage of life. This does not mean that you've actually walked through a threshold where you don't need to have any risk whatsoever. So that's a good way of thinking about those things of what your options are and how to kind of look at this. Now let's talk about the third option. And y'all can tell this podcast is already starting to go, um, you know, into when we should be shutting it down. The reason is, is because we're not spending a ton of time on cashing it in. Guys, cashing it in, it breaks my heart. I feel like we ought to play the Sarah McLaughlin again. (laughs) If you... I mean, if you're taking your retirement assets to go buy a car, Oof. put a swimming pool in the backyard. Oh. I mean, talk about greatest hits of things we've seen. Mm-hmm. Because we realize we do 401ks, we do 403bs. We see this type of behavior. It breaks my heart. Because I know, I, I, remember, I talk about this army of dollar bills, guy, guys. You know, when I talk about these armies of dollar bills, we actually, we're good generals. We actually get to name, know the names of every one of our dollars. So we, when we have this army of dollar bills, we get to know these people. We know and we're hoping that they're growing, that they're prolific with their growth. And it breaks my heart when some of those soldiers get to, sent to go buy a swimming pool. Because it's not just a swimming pool. I love swimming pools. But the problem is, it's just like what we we're talking about with the forced withdrawals. You pull $15,000 out to put a swimming pool in your backyard. Guess what happens? You're probably going to have a 10% penalty. So that 15,000 just got a $1,500 penalty put on top of it. And then you take the, the, the 30% that's going to come in just taxes from your federal and state side. I mean, once again, 40% of that money. And a lot of times, this is what I'm always surprised about. People say, well, I'm going to go, I need a down payment for my car. And you know, and I've got about $10,000 in my retirement account. I'll just, I could, I, or I could pay off my credit card debt. I've got about $6,000 of credit card debt. Man, I'll just take this check from this 401k. And then they get to April of next year and they, and their accountant says, 
you owe four thousand dollars in taxes. And they're like, Wait, what? Why? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't have four thousand dollars. Where am I going to get four thousand? Oh, wait a minute. I got that retirement account over here. I'll go pull that four thousand. It's a domino effect. You don't account for the taxes. Now, yeah, they're going to withhold some taxes potentially. But a lot of times we have people say, no, don't withhold taxes. I'll take care of that in April. And then they have to go and pull more money out. And I feel so bad as a general of that army of dollar bills. I feel so bad knowing that those dollars died in vain. They did not go to serve the noble cause of helping you in retirement. It really is a sad, sad experience when you see those retirement assets. I caught you off guard with this. You I did. And dude, your analogies are spot on today, man. <laughs> You're killing it. You're killing it. But it is. It is one of those sad stories. It really should have a public service announcement for those those fallen soldiers as well. So that's the thing is that I don't like to spend a lot of time on cashing in because if you are under 60 years of age and you're not retiring early, it does not make sense to cash it in. You've worked way too hard. And, you know, but here's the thing. I had a stat here. Since I looked it up, I put it in my notes. I might as well use it. Fidelity Investments back in, I think this was based on 2012, 2013 data. They did a study of all the plans they administer and realize Fidelity is the big boy. They, they, there's a reason they own the domain name 401k. Um, they do a lot of the Fortune 500 companies. They said 35% of their participants, when they leave, they just take the cash. Oh, that's crazy. It's not 50%. I guess we'll say, whoo, that's good. <laughs> Probably, but that 35% ain't listening to the Money Guy show. <laughs> and I know that's not good English, but that's not good English to be taking that, thir- that 35% taking that money. That's just disgusting because those early withdrawal penalties – and plus just the opportunity cost that that money could have gotten you to retirement, could have helped you finish the drill. Because, you know, this is the thing about retirement savings, and this is probably a good transition point to close the show out. You think about it. You daydream about one day retiring. It does not make sense to get to that day. That day, You get so excited, you start getting older, and, and, and we see it. You know, people... And it's not the money guy listeners, but you see people, they neglect their retirement in their 20s because, hey, we want to have a good time. You neglect it in your 30s. I got a family. You know, I've got married. I got some children. Man, I can't, I can't think about retirement right now. 40s. You get in your mid 40s, you go, wait a minute. You know, I'm retiring in about 15 years. Oh, but it's okay. I'm in, I'm in my 40s. I'll be okay. You get to 50. Oh my God. I've got to retire in 10 years. And unfortunately, where is that going to come from? And this is the situation I think a lot of Americans get themselves in. And it's all self-induced. This is something, and, and it does not help. It actually just exponentially hurts the situation when people are pulling those, those that money out prematurely, buying cars, putting swimming pools in, or paying off credit card debt because they're not making the choices they need to with their financial life. These things create that neglectful retirement then it's not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. It's not fulfilling. I want my listeners to have that job well done moment when you hit retirement. And we have, I love those emails. When I get emails from clients, I get emails from listeners where they say, you know what? I had an adult beverage last night because I just crossed over seven figures with my assets. And thank you for your, your what you're sharing. I had uh, an adult beverage, or I had a, an, a grape juice. If you're not into a, adult <laughs> beverages, you know, I, I, me and my wife had a great discussion, or me and my my spouse had a great discussion over. We just crossed some great financial moments. So that that's the fulfillment I want you guys to have because it's that path that's really not worn down. It's the less traveled path that you hear me talk about, and that's what good financial management 
it, you've got to be a contrarian. You know, we talk about contrarian with investing. For scarcity and everything else that goes into a successful retirement, you need to be rewarded and then commended when you're doing that because there's not going to be a lot of people talking about it. So, guys, I hope that you've gotten a full belly now from all the knowledge hopefully we've shared. If there's something we left off, we know you're going to reach out to us, and we want you to. We want you to write us. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N at MoneyGuy.com. My co-host, Mr. Bo Hanson, B-O at MoneyGuy.com. You can write us. Go check us out at either Abound Wealth moneyguy.com and just thank you thank you thank you if you like what you hear if you say man i i know what i need to be doing but i'm so busy because that's the other thing a lot of you guys are so smart you're so good but you're daggum busy you get so busy with life that you go i know i'm not checking all the boxes because we've gone through all these these boxes with you reach out to us take the relationship to the next level you've done the hard part of building the nest egg let's just make sure that we're nurturing it to to turn it into and give it its peak potential because remember we're all i know you're a great field general too where you know the names of every one of your dollars too and you want to make sure that they do everything that they possibly can to maximize their potential do that reach out and then we'll talk to you in two weeks i'm your host brian preston the money guy podcast is hosted by brian preston brian preston is a principal with abound wealth management Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. (laughs) 